0: From the Schmo's No Network Studios in Los Angeles, California, it's time for Profiles with your hosts, Alicia Malone and Scott Mant. Hello,
1: Hello,
2: Schmoville. Schmoville! Welcome to Profiles. Episode nine, Ooh, number nine, number nine, number <laughs> nine, and today we are spotlighting our first actress on Profiles, yes. Kate Blanchett.
1: I am so excited. I really wanted to profile a female, and we we're discussing back and forth who would we choose. Plenty of actresses we're going to be talking about on Profiles because there's so many great actresses, some great female directors as well, but I wanted to choose Kate Blanchett because she is a woman I feel very close to because...
2: She's from Australia. Yeah. Exactly, (laughs) but
1: she is also a fantastic actress. She's someone who completely transforms with every single role and she doesn't even use prosthetics or heavy makeup to do that. It's just an inner transformation. She's a master of the stage and the screen. She's been artistic director at the Sydney Theatre Company. Incredible with her husband. Two Oscars, three SAGs, three Golden Globes, three BAFTAs. Unafraid to jump in to some really complex characters who are not always likeable.
2: And they're always, they're not, not really leads all the time either. Yes. One thing I noticed is that even at this stage of her career, when she could easily just demand top of the title billing, she still does a lot of ensemble movies. Mm-hmm. She still does a lot of supporting roles. She goes after the material. And Kate Blanchett is an actress. When you think of her, when I see her, what I love about her is that she's radiant. Mm-hmm. She is classy. She knocks it out of the park every single time, no matter how good or not so good the movie is. She makes it worth watching.
1: She's elegant and she's so intelligent. Every single time I interview her, and I've interviewed her so many times over the years, I've been really fortunate to do so. Every time I go, I want to be Kate Blanchett when I grow up, because she's just so fantastic. She's so fantastic. Beautiful as well. I remember the first time I interviewed her was in Sydney in 2008 for Elizabeth the Golden Age. It was the premiere at near the Sydney Theatre Company, actually. And I was wearing this bright orange dress, this young, blonde Alicia Malone, and (laughs) uh, I was interviewing her, and I noticed how... My dress reflected in her skin oh. because her skin is that pale and pure and gorgeous. She's just beautiful. I love her. I can't wait to talk more about her. Can we give a quick shout out to our T shirt? Yes, we should
2: absolutely do this. You <laughs> see now, as you know, every week Alicia and I wear movie themed t shirts to go yeah. along with whoever it is that we're spotlighting. But listen, not a whole lot of Kate Blanchett shirts out there. There should be. So there should be. So to rectify that, our good friend, our pal, our our f- number one profile, Brett Olson, who mm-hmm. designs all the great promos that all we put on our website, all the everything. logos. He designed for us these Kate Blanchett t-shirts that have the profiles with Malona Man's logo on it. We uh, we we love you, Brett. Thank you, you were so the much man. for Thank doing you that. Thank you so much for making this happen. We
1: really really appreciate it. So let's start to find out more about Kate Blanchett in our segment we call
2: "It's a Wonderful Life." Roll it.
0: Catherine Elise Blanchett was born on May 14, 1969 in Melbourne, Australia. In 1992, Kate graduated from Australia's National Institute of Dramatic Arts, and in 1993 she won the Newcomer Award from the Sydney Theatre Critics Circle for her performance in Kafka Dances. She made her small screen debut in 1994's Australian miniseries Heartland, and she made her feature film debut in 1997's Paradise Road. But it was her Golden Globe-winning breakthrough performance in 1998's Elizabeth that really put her on the map. Kate Blanchett has been nominated for five Academy Awards and won twice, once as Best Supporting Actress for The Aviator and again as Lead Actress for Blue Jasmine. She has been married to playwright and screenwriter Andrew Upton since 1997, and they have three children, all sons.
1: Blue Moon. Blue Moon was playing when? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Blue
2: Moon. Yeah, talking to the kids, right? (laughs) I love it. Full full disclosure, Kate Blanchett has actually been nominated for six Academy Awards. We said five. But it was six, so wow. we caught that and we're saying it now. That but that's okay. That shows
1: you how brilliant she is. She is
2: absolutely brilliant. And a lot of actors and actresses, a lot of her her friends in the co-stars. business, co-stars, her peers mm-hmm. have a lot of great things to say about her.
1: Yeah, so we're going to pepper these quotes throughout the show. Hmm. Let's start off with Hugo Weaving, who's an, a fellow Aussie, a friend of Kate's and also worked with her on the Lord of the Rings trilogy. He says about Kate Blanchett that she is incredibly intuitive, highly intelligent, physically free and playful, nothing that, like all the actors in in the, oh, sorry, nothing, oh, I can't even read it, like all the actors in the Sydney troupe, Blanchett is classically trained. I got there. She has good theatrical sense, and she keeps her feet on the ground, and of course, she's just gorgeous.
2: And Brad Pitt, who co-starred with Kate in Babel, and Benjamin Button, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, says... You just imagine Brad Pitt saying this. Oh, Kate, she's she's mesmerizing. <laughs> I don't know why. It's be it's beyond my understanding. Why we all want to work with her is she elevates the rest of us. She's got some <laughs> ethereal grace and elegance that's that's beyond me, and it's an acute understanding of human nature. She's just exquisite. She's otherworldly. You can see Brad Pitt saying that. <laughs> totally <right? laughs>
1: see you saying that. Definitely. Okay, well, our first blood. What's um, yours? Well, yeah, mine's a little different, I imagine, to yours because I'm from Australia. Yeah, So mm-hmm. I came across Kate Blanchett in a movie called Oscar and Lucinda. Sure. Which was 1997, directed by Gillian Armstrong, also stars Rafe Fiennes. And I didn't see it in the cinema, as I say. <laughs> I saw it on video, but I just remember noticing how much of a presence she had. I didn't know anything about her. I had missed her on the TV shows that she'd done, but I thought she was absolutely gorgeous. And then when I saw her a year later in Elizabeth... I was so excited and as Australians do when one of us does well overseas we're like that's our girl so proud our Kate Blanchett so
2: proud yeah and
1: then from then on I mean she's just had an incredible career
2: absolutely and yes My First Blood is definitely Elizabeth came out in November of 1998 directed by Sheikar Kapoor she actually played the character twice but in this first time this was a star-making, breakthrough performance in every sense of the word. Really the coming-of-age story about <laughs> Queen Elizabeth I. Definitely. An incredible, transformative, physically and emotionally. And we'll talk more about the role. But I just thought it was kind of interesting how that year uh, Dame Judy Dench won the That's Oscar right. for supporting actress. And she also
1: played Elizabeth.
2: Right. And for it was, like, a running time of, like, uh, uh, seven or eight minutes. It was the That's second right, yeah. shortest uh, win for a supporting actress in Oscar history. <laughs> Amazing. But, of course, they would go on to star together in 2006's Notes on a Scandal. Another movie we will be talking about very, very, very soon. Like, in maybe fact, even...
1: Right now. Right now what on is our that? Fast Five. Number five.
2: What's the movie? You think this is a love affair?
1: Please don't diminish our oh. What?!
2: Oh, notes, notes on a, a scandal.
1: scandal. I really enjoyed this film when I rewatched it the other day. Uh-huh. It's fantastic. What did you say it was? 2006? It
2: came out December 25th, 2006. Because nothing says Christmas <laughs> like a good scandal. I know.
1: <laughs> Kate Blanchett plays this beautiful young art teacher who gets into this sordid affair with a 15-year-old student. <laughs> and then Judi Dench plays this lonely, kind of strange woman who wants to uh, enter in a friendship or maybe, maybe more. Maybe a little more. Well,
2: Maybe a little bit. We'll let you be the judge of that. It's a
1: very salacious movie, but what elevates it is the performances. Definitely. You know, Dame Judy Dench, of course, never puts <laughs> in a bad performance. We'll have to do a profiles on her one oh, day. Oh, sure, yeah. She has the showier role, but Kate really humanizes this character and something i've noticed about kate by watching all her films is she does pain really well so even though she's playing a character who who does a morally horrific thing thing. yeah yeah. especially a teacher and a student just horrible you kind of understand her and you kind of feel sorry for her
2: yeah that's a good point that's a good point because we're definitely going to talk about another character later on the show who you could easily hate her yeah. But there's something about Kate Blanchett's performance that makes you sympathize with or maybe even root for her in some ways. Mm-hmm. Now, in this film, like you said, it was salacious, it was sleazy, sort of a dirty, fun movie, accentuated by Philip Glass's very melodramatic score, which <laughs> yeah. was fitting the material perfectly. Notes on a Scandal was nominated for four Academy Awards. Wow. Best Actress, Supporting Actress for Kate Blanchett, Adapted Screenplay and Score, Directed by Richard Eyre, Based on the book by Zoe Heller, and uh, just... Like you said, it's the performances really make the film, but it moves along at a really, really quick pace. Mm. And to the end of the film, that scene where uh, Kate Blanche's character Sheba puts on all the makeup, she
1: dresses up,
2: and she breaks the mirror, and she's goes outside where all the people have been gathered. Yeah. She's like, "Here yeah, I am!"
1: am! I'm like, what? But it's incredible. It, and the scene where uh, we were talking about yesterday, where Judy, Judy's character, her cat dies. And then she expects Kate's character, Shiva, to come with her to uh to say goodbye to the cat and Sheba has to see her son in a play and it's this real power struggle between these two women and Bill Nighy who plays the husband is like what kind of spell does she have over you it's such a great blackmail it's a great scene yes
2: cuz because in the beginning of the movie you're right Judy Dent's character Barbara she's she's lonely she's bitter i Gold mean she's very very much like in charge of like uh, the school i mean people look up to her and they fear her yeah. and because she she finds this newcomer in Cape Blanche's character and she's sort of circling her like a lion circles its prey. Yeah. And then she drags her in and then when she finds out what's going on, she blackmails her into being her friend.
1: Yeah. It's, and it's
2: really crazy. It's almost
1: like a single white female type situation. Almost. Almost. <laughs> but if it, if it hadn't been for this great casting, it could have just been a completely forgettable movie, like a B-grade movie. But because of these two women, and I like how it explains was two really complex Female characters and then all the relationships that they have with each other, with husbands and students. And yeah, I love it. I
2: like the end of the film. Like she's moved on to her next prey. Yeah. Whoa. You're like, Oh, there she goes again. Oh, God. A lot of, a lot of our friends in Schmoville had to say this about notes on a scandal. Rachel Cushing, who just, we just love Rachel. She's, she's the, the best. best. And this is, this is written like a true film critic. I have to say, Rachel, you should be writing reviews for a living. I believe that Blanchett's role in notes on a scandal pushed her into a whole new level of acting. Right. Sheba Hart is neither likable nor strong and yet, oh, interesting, Blanche plays her with just the right amount of pathos. Yeah. It's almost hard to watch as she navigates the perilous waters she creates for herself by having an affair with a student, but it is terribly fascinating. I like that, terribly fascinating. <laughs> I could watch this entire subtle dance with her and Judy Dench for hours on end and find that the entire film is such a compelling commentary on secrets, jealousy, relationship, and manipulation, and Blanche holds the entire movie together with her quiet desperation
1: whoa that's a perfect way to describe the character quiet desperation, quiet desperation. that's why yeah. you feel sorry for her well mladen kulik yeah. i say that right <laughs> so I just blame my accent if i didn't uh i love this movie because it shows how gossip can ruin people's lives and not every secret needs to be shared very true
2: well i just have my own quick uh kate blanchett story you know i Interviewed her a few times over the years, but I'm a member of the Broadcast Film Critics Association, so I just get to go to the Critics Choice Awards every January. Yes. And at the at the last award show, you know, in between the commercial breaks, all the critics get up and they go over to where the stars are sitting to like say hello and mm-hmm. everything. So I go over to Kate Blanchett's table and she's sitting there with her son. So of course I'm like gushing, like I'm like I'm a, fingers crossed, like. I hope you win. I think yep. you deserve to win. I love Blue Jasmine. So then her son starts showing me a card trick.
1: <laughs> cool. And
2: he was really good at it. So yeah. then the commercial starts, and I had to go sit down. So two months later at the Academy Awards, I went up to her again, and I just said, she said, oh, hi. Like, she remembered me. And I said, your son is really good at the card tricks. And That's she goes, great. oh, thank you. It's really, really sweet. You know, moments like that that make it kind of fun.
1: Yeah. she is so lovely. Just so approachable as well. Now, she has many, many great scenes oh, that yeah. she's done. So, so many. Have right stuff coming up. Um, this was hard to choose because I was thinking of scenes like in Babel the Stitches scene where she's writhing in pain, horrible Heart, uh, harrowing. yeah, Blue Jasmine, any one of those scenes, <laughs> yeah, she just <laughs> completely loses it. But I'm gonna go with a different one just because I think this is awesome that she did this. Hot Fuzz.
2: Hot Fuzz. Oh, yeah, that's right. Remember,
1: she had that uncredited cameo in Hot Fuzz where she played Janine, who was Simon Pegg's character, ex-girlfriend, also a forensic scientist. She's in a mask and a suit, so all you see are her eyes, Again, no credit for it, and she gave away her fee to charity.
2: And the voice gave it away, like you're like obviously you can't even see because she's covered. <laughs> you see her eyes, but she started talking. I was like, it. "Wait a minute!" I I, I kind of thought, and then like everybody started talking about it. I
1: didn't until afterwards, and then someone said that was Kate Blanchett. Really? What? <laughs> like that is awesome that she does this kind of stuff. That's
2: very cool. And she also
1: joked about it in interviews, saying that you know she's she's takes her acting seriously. So she wore that white suit for three to four weeks, twenty four hours a day, just to get the feel of what it's like to be a forensic scientist, and she got her eyelashes tinted too, so hard work, hard she preparation. She do it
2: all <laughs> for, for even the smallest, shortest role. I love that. That's a class act. My my right stuff, okay, yes, it is from Blue Jasmine. Like you said, it could have been any number of scenes. Mm-hmm. Of my, my favorite line in the whole movie is when she's flipping out and she goes, who do I have to sleep with around here to get a Stolly Martini, Martini with, with a twist, the twist of lemon? lemon. <laughs> but the scene that I love, uh, the scene that just really sort of a, the biggest emotional punch is towards the end of the movie when she looks like she's going to get her old life back know, mm-hmm. the Peter high Sarsgard. class with Peter Sarsgaard. He's a very successful businessman. Mm-hmm. He's an aspiring politician. And, and, of course, she has lied every step of this relationship, not telling him what really happened to her husband, not saying that he had a son. So there they are shopping for rings on the streets of San Francisco. And there's Augie, played by Andrew Dice Clay, who was also really good in this movie. Yeah, he was. And he confronts her, asking about her son, saying, you know, people don't forgive and forget like this. And it just brings her whole world crashing down Mm. again. And she just, just like that, loses it all over again.
1: Gosh, well, a lot of details in her performance. (laughs) Nice segue into the last last detail, detail. which is all about trivia. So hit me with some trivia. I'm going to hit you with some trivia. See if I don't know
2: this. Although, as a fellow Aussie, 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 You probably know all of this already. (laughs) After completing the Lord of the Rings trilogy back in 2003, not knowing that she was going to be called back for the Hobbit, but she kept and bronzed. Her ear, her elf ear prosthetics. Oh, cool. She had them bronzed.
1: She had them bronzed. <laughs> yes, I didn't how cool was know that? that? That's I awesome. I think
2: Leonard Nimoy is the only other person who might have done something like that with his ears. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder
1: if she had to unbronze them? <laughs> wait, wait, <laughs> just to, to save
2: money on the budget for The Hobbit. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure
1: they had extra ears. Well, did you know that she is one of only 11 actors who have been nominated for Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress in the same year? For different films. So, 2008, she was nominated for Best Actress for *Elizabeth the Golden Age* and Best Supporting Actress for *I'm Not There*. Not many actors have that honor. Jamie Foxx. were talking Fox, About
2: Al Pacino. Al Pacino. Another Kate. Kate Winslet has that honor. That's right. Yeah, but that's like it's
1: an elite ele- club. Ele-
2: Eleven that's it in all of Oscar history 11 that's a good that's a very good class to be in yep. okay well as of the, again they bring in the Australian connection back into Kate Blanchett with yeah, Alicia yeah. Malone she <laughs> is the only and I repeat the only Australian actress, actress to win two Academy Awards well, the only one now the only that one. that is a that is a classic we act.
1: have good actresses yes too. you
2: do a lot of good comes out of Australia
1: well she's also been in seven movies which have been nominated for Best Picture Oscars and four of them would have been in a row so All her seven movies that have been nominated: Elizabeth in '98, Lord of the Rings: Fellowship of the Ring (2001), Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers (in 2002), Lord of the Rings: Return of the King (in 2003), then The Aviator (2004), Babel (2006), and Benjamin Button: Curious Case of (2008).
2: Nice, very interesting. One more bit of trivia. This is more just uh, an extension of The Aviator. I didn't realize just because he had been working for so many years that The Aviator was the first movie by Martin Scorsese to gross more than a hundred million dollars domestically wow isn't that crazy like going back to the 70s really that that was his first movie to make more than a hundred million dollars wow yeah
1: well I want to read out a little quote from another great actress who we will be profiling at some point
2: oh yeah Meryl Streep yep
1: Meryl Streep that says that Kate Blanchett is an actress that is not only gifted and talented, she's above all a brave actress. One has to be brave, for example, to play in a streetcar named Desire on Broadway. I really admire her enormously and I'd love to resemble her.
2: I'd love to resemble her. Well, wow, that's an interesting quote. Hi, praise. I'd love to resemble her. Because I think her. people,
1: people uh, say that they are both quite similar in some respects.
2: In the sense that they just do great work. Yeah. Well, coming in at number four and our fast five JT. No 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 no. no. Oh, I just had to play a little bit of that. Yes. Halloween Performance Babble came out in two thousand six on October twenty seventh. Which
1: was the same year as Notes on a Scandal. And The Good German. And all three films were Oscar-nominated in some way, shape, or form.
2: Good year. Kate. Excellent
1: year. She's incredible. Kate Winslet.
2: Yeah, she knows how to pick them. Kate (laughs) Blanchett. What did I say, Winslet? Winslet. Oh, (laughs) jeez. Kate Blanchett. Blanchett, yes. This movie was nominated for seven Academy Awards. It won one for Best Score. Uh, But it did win the Golden Globe for Best Picture Drama. It cost $25 million to make. Directed by Alejandro González Iñárritu, who we just had to throw out. Also directed New the new movie Birdman, so good. which is so incredible, but we'll get to him one of these days.
1: Yeah, well, this is part of his death trilogy. <laughs> yeah. It, start, it started with Amoris Peros, and then 21 Grams, and then Babel continued or ended the trilogy. Um, I'm glad to see with Birdman he has lightened up a little bit. A little. Because this is a depressing movie. Very, yeah. Everything goes bad, but it's quite complex in that it's no, there's no villains. You know, it's, it's all circumstance or, or fate that brought each character to this place. I love how it's these interconnecting storylines and it's not till the end that you realize how they all connect. Yeah. It's also non-linear so you don't know exactly when things are taking place. And with Crash in 2004 and then this movie started off this whole rage of this uh, what they call hyperlink cinema which is the interconnecting storylines. But that's something that Alejandro has been doing in his work the whole time.
2: And that actually does go back, I mean Robert Altman had been actually doing that since yeah. the mid 70s with it's nashville hard to do
1: well though and i think Babel does it perfectly
2: Babel does it perfectly paul thomas anderson does it perfectly too oh, with yeah. like uh, magnolia but this movie like you said it's challenging it's riveting it is it is depressing yes and uh it's harrowing and cape Blanchett is not in the movie that much she
1: also doesn't have that much dialogue
2: but it's it's just the Powerful. physicality of her performance that resonates so strongly. She plays Susan and Brad Pitt plays Richard. They're the Joneses. Mm-hmm. They're they're on uh, a vacation in Morocco to sort of get that spark back uh, and rediscover their marriage after yeah. something went wrong. Uh, probably it sounds like Brad Pitt's character might have strayed. Mm-hmm. But uh, it sort of all starts really with the sound of a rifle going off. Yeah. And it just sets off this chain of events and then, like you said, you find out at the end of the movie where it all started. Yes. But you brought up something while we were talking about this movie that I didn't think about is what happened to the kids?
1: I know. What happened to the kids?
2: <laughs> because, okay, so so structurally, the movie is a lot like Pulp Fiction where... you got to piece
1: it together. you got
2: to piece it together. So in the film, after... Uh, Kate Blanchett's character is back in the hospital, recovering from the gunshot wound. Mm-hmm. Brad Pitt's father calls calls home, mm-hmm. and he's talking to the uh, the uh, housekeeper, yeah. the babysitter, and and this all happens before she takes the kids to Mexico so she can go to this wedding, yes. and then loses the kids.
1: <laughs> and then you never see what happens to the kids if they stay in the desert. And the little girl, El Fanny, El Fanny, I little was like, Elf whoa, Fanny. little
2: El Fanny, she's so cute.
1: Well, and, but how horrible, you know, they go through the joke is this horrible ordeal. And once again, Kate Blanchett's so great at portraying pain. First psychological pain, then physical, physical pain. Yeah. You really feel her pain in totally. that scene when she's getting stitches. And then they come home and you imagine they come <laughs> home. The, the housekeeper has now been deported. And where are their kids? Oh,
2: man, <laughs> that's God. just like everything that can Because go for wrong, every does go other wrong.
1: character, it does kind of end on a little bit of hope. They discover love in some way, shape, or form. Yep. But maybe not the kids.
2: Maybe not the kids. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well. Well, Brad Pitt, interestingly, gave up starring in The Departed a movie that he produced, a movie that went on to win Best Picture so that he could work with, with Alejandro Gonzalez Gonzales Inaritu in Babel.
1: And then great to see the two, Kate and Brad,
2: work together two years later in, in Curious case, case of Benjamin, Benjamin Button. Button.
1: So from Schmoville, Dan Skip Allen. Yay, Dan. He says about Babel, Babel was my number one movie of the decade in the 2000s. I love how Inoratu puts all the pieces together when when Kate is shot, Brad goes on a tirade to get her help. It shows us the dangers of what gu- one. For, for, I'm having trouble reading today. Shows us the dangers of what one gun can do and how many lives it can hurt. That's really true. And how uh, how much of a jerk is that English guy who's like, "We need to go. It's yeah. hot on the bus." We're going to leave you. Me? Your wife's been shot, but I don't care. I've got to go.
2: Yeah, total like selfish, but that's something else the movie points out, and and another reason why it resonates on so many emotional yeah. levels.
1: And it also relates to the biblical story, the Tower of Babel, which is all about miscommunication, and that's what the film is all about—the miscommunication with all the different languages and different relationships, different class systems. So much happening in this film. I enjoyed the rewatch, even though I was like, "That is, depressing.
2: yeah, it is a little depressing," but. Not depressing are a lot of the movie posters that Kate Blanchett has done over the years. Some of them are really, really, really awesome, as we'll find out right now in The Big Picture. Let's hear it.
0: Kate Blanchett's star-making performance in director Shakar Kapoor's 1998 epic about the rise of Queen Elizabeth I came with this eye-popping one-sheet that contained the bold tagline, Absolute power demands absolute loyalty. One look at this colorful movie poster for 2004's A Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou, and you know that this quirky, offbeat ensemble has Wes Anderson's name written all over it. And we love this classy throwback for 2006's The Good German, directed by Steven Soderbergh, which was deliberately modeled after designer Bill Gold's unforgettable one-sheet for the 1942 classic Casablanca. Here's looking at you, Kate.
1: epic music epic music I forgot to cut off the music at the end there sorry to so it just kept going on because I love the music from The Good German so much yeah it's much. a good soundtrack and one day I'm gonna get Ken the pit boss to actually watch Casablanca because he hasn't he, seen it
2: there's so many movies that he has not watched
1: yeah I need to sit him down we
2: gotta take him to Leisha's Film School <laughs>
1: yes yes
2: definitely Let's go please. to Leisha's Film School well that brings us to <laughs> The Player so many great movies so many great characters that Kate Blanchett has played again not all of them leads but she still knocks it out of the park Mm -hmm. every time, including the now six times she has played this elegant elf in the Lord of the Rings trilogy and the Hobbit trilogy, Galadriel. Mm -hmm. And again, radiant, exquisite. She stands out. This is a true ensemble that could really just sort of uh, overwhelm the acting the performances because it's so much about the special effects and the material but Cate Blanchett just really really stands out in these movies and I'm so glad that even after after all her success throughout the last decade that she still went back and and did the Hobbit movies even though they're very small roles
1: I agree and she has that ethereal quality that really works for the elf queen I also love when she plays a villain like Marissa in Hannah Great. Great film. I mean, this was all based on fairy tales. So Marissa is, is the wicked witch and Joe Wright, the director also says sort of based on one of his teachers. Which <laughs> sounds scary. Uh, chillingly real as Kate always plays it. Very well dressed. And I love when Kate was doing interviews, she joked about it by saying like, I'm a horrible person, and it's just now coming out in my work.
2: <laughs> but this is a this is a role that Marissa she it, it's a great villain. Like mm. she chews her scenery. It's the kind of role that that they always say it's better to play the villain because you get the better role, the better lines, and that's very obvious in this movie. You can just tell that Kate Blanchett is is loving, relishing the yes. part to play someone so deliciously evil. She's a, a ruthless lunatic.
1: Yeah. In this movie. Now I wanted to talk about an Australian character, Tracy from. A movie called Little Fish in 2005, straight after doing The Aviator. This is why I love Kate. She went back to Sydney to do an indie film and she played a recovering heroin addict who's struggling to stay clean when everyone around her is trying to drag her back into that world. Yeah, she's unbelievable in the character, of course. And she says, just, just so amazing that she went straight from playing. Catherine Hepburn, who was so glamorous in Hollywood, to this character Tracy, who was greasy-haired and wore unflattering clothes, and she just makes that switch so uh, effortlessly
2: well the other role that we have to mention in our player is bob dylan (laughs) yeah or as as in this film
1: a a facet of a facet of bob dylan's Dylan's personality
2: personality. and the character the facet she plays is jude which i love (laughs) but the, the the way she plays jude dylan I felt like, despite the fact that it was one of only three times in which an actor was nominated for a performance in what they played a member of the opposite sex. Yeah. Yeah, the other two were Felicity Huffman and Linda Hunt, that she was the best persona, the best personality of Bob Dylan in that movie. Yeah. yeah Todd and- Haynes. Real avant garde, gonzo kind of film, but I love it.
1: I love it too. And and the most amazing thing about this performance is how quickly you forget that it's a woman playing a guy right that that ends up being the least interesting thing because Kate as she does with all her characters completely embodies Jude and it's fascinating to watch also wanted to give a big shout out to our profilers who's been running these great brackets so if you want to participate in these brackets and now on our Facebook page which are Profiles on the Schmoesno Network with Malone and Matt. So make sure you go and like that page if you want to. If you want to get involved, because this is really fun. So I like it
2: anyway. <laughs> so
1: Rachel Cushing, she was in charge of this one. She oh, wanted great. to be in charge of the female bracket, and so they they pitted two of Kate Blanchett's performances against each other. And Steve Zissou, who starred in Ghost Life Aquatic
2: <laughs> with Kate
1: Blanchett, and Resika also helped to roll these out. They got down to Elizabeth versus Catherine Hepburn. And Jasmine versus Galadriel. And then it got down to the finals, which was Jasmine versus Hepburn. And Jasmine wins. Jasmine, Jasmine. Go Jasmine. Yes. So according to Profilers, that is her best performance. And I think we both agree. And wait till
2: you see who we're going to have on our brackets next week. We'll get to that a little later in this show. So excited. But we want to take this time right now to make a couple of announcements. First... Like Alicia said, please go to our Facebook page, which is Profiles with Malone and Mance on the Schmoes No Network. Like the page, share it with all of your Facebook friends. (laughs) And I mean really just push it. Just annoy them. We just annoy them like because we want people to watch this. You know, we love doing the show. We know you love watching and listening to it on iTunes, which brings me to my other point where even if you are watching the show on YouTube, please go to iTunes and Not only rate and review us... But subscribe, subscribe to Profiles on iTunes because Mm -hmm. some problems we've had lately where even if you think you've already subscribed, the odds are that you will will have to resubscribe. So please stop what you're doing, put the (laughs) show on pause, go to iTunes, go to Profiles, subscribe, rate and review us. We really need this to survive. This is very, very, very important. You can also
1: watch us on YouTube, which is youtube.com slash podcast you can see all the shows from everyone that they've been doing—guilty movie pleasures, Jedi Alliance, the main schmoes no movie show—and of course profiles So give us a little comment because we read all of them. We try we to do read we try all to of them. Respond to every single one if we can.
2: It's all about you because we know you love movies just as much as we do, mm-hmm. and we think you know just as much about Kate Blanchett as Alicia Malone.
1: <laughs> Let's see. In Let's quiz see show. in Quiz
2: Show. You ready, my friend? I'm going to hit so. you up. I again. I'm this. This is. <laughs> this I'm just throwing you a bone here.
1: If I get it wrong, I'm going to blame my cold. I, I'm
2: throwing you a bone. Oh, I got one, too. <laughs> oh. I got one, too. Oh, well. <laughs> Doesn't well, surprise me. <laughs> here's the deal. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Okay. In the movie, Blue Jasmine,
1: yes.
2: what is Jasmine's real name?
1: Janine. Right? Is it? Is it Janine? Yeah.
2: Is it Jennifer? Yeah. Is it Jeanette? Oh. Or is it Janelle?
1: Actually, it's Jeanette. Okay, I she wins again. Wrong, almost got it wrong. Every time right. she gets this right, and I probably gave you my cold when we were sitting next to each other watching Nightcrawler yesterday. Yes, thank
2: Sorry.
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's one for you. Which of the following Oscar-nominated roles did Kate turn Ooh. down? Oh, was it Roxy Hart in Chicago? Was it Virginia Woolf in The Hours, or was it Sarah Pierce in Little Children? Oh, man. That is it's tough. Hard. Oh, that's a tough one.
2: Sorry. Oh, say that again. The A, B, and C. Say that okay. again.
1: Roxy Hart. Roxy Hart. Chicago. Okay. picture Pitching in Wolf in the Hours or Sarah in Little Children.
2: Is it Roxy Hart? It
1: is. You just gave me the answer. Okay, I want you, you to win. You just me. I want you to win.
2: Oh, you're so nice. That was... <laughs> Thank you for being so generous. I appreciate that. Thank you. This way I don't look so bad.
1: (laughs) I just realized how hard it was. So I was like, I'm going to help you But that's a
2: great question. That's the kind of question we should be doing in Quiz Show, by the way.
1: Have we seen Kate sing before? No, that would be interesting. Roxy Hart. Oh,
2: that would have been great. Oh, well. Oh, there's still plenty of time for her to do a musical. Coming in. uh, Back to our Fast Five. (laughs) Coming in at number three on the Fast Five, my friend. Let's hear it.
0: Hunt the flesh,
1: kill the flesh, eat the
2: flesh. That's the uh, male sex all over. Ah, The Aviator, released on December 25th, 2004. Directed by Martin Martin Scorsese. Scorsese. (laughs) This movie was nominated for 11 Academy Awards. It was the most nominated movie of 2004. Won five, including... Number one for Kate Blanchett, best supporting, supporting actress. actress.
1: Incredible plays uh Catherine Hepburn, who is one of my favorite actresses. We will definitely be profiling her at some for point. Sure, She's yes. so iconic. Originally the role was going to go to Nicole Kidman, but then she couldn't do it because she was contracted to the Stepford Wives. Oh. So Kate stepped in. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Lucky for Kate. Lucky and for Kate. Because Kate really has the, the brashness and the ballsiness and the sexiness that Catherine Hepburn really had, and Kate, with all her roles, does an intense amount of research. So she read everything she could on Catherine Hepburn. She also rewatched all her movies, including many of them at Martin Scorsese's house.
2: Nah, can you imagine so his could, screening room? Yes, yeah. so she Whoa. watched it on
1: the big screen. <laughs> she hadn't seen some of those movies on the big screen, so she studied her performances. But what is so remarkable about this performance is that it moves well beyond being an imitation.
2: Absolutely, it does. You're she right. She
1: humanizes the character. It is a fully realized character and after a little while of saying, Oh my gosh, she does look like her and she sounds like her, you get lost in the character.
2: Sure. And that's that's crucial. The word humanizes her because anytime you play a larger than life role, even someone like Catherine Hepburn, you run the risk of imitation. Mm -hmm. You run the risk of mimicking. And mighty fast, I have to say, Kate Blanchett dispenses with that and humanizes the character yes. this is the only time in oscar history that an actress won an oscar yeah. for playing an oscar winning actress so cool. And like you said about all the research that Kate blanchett did for this role among what you said she had freckles painstaking painstakingly painted on her face on her shoulders on her chest so she could look as much like Catherine Hepburn as possible, but, but some of the scenes where I felt like she really did humanize Catherine Hepburn is that scene after, after Howard Hughes crashes his yeah. plane and he goes home and, and they're, they're just having a moment in the bedroom. She's tending to his foot and she just goes something like, be careful not to let people in. Like because they're both getting famous, mm-hmm. him now, uh, or or they'll they'll turn us into freaks. Mm. Like it was an interesting choice of words that really shows the vulnerability of someone like like Catherine Hepburn, who's this world famous actress that she has insecurities and she's guarded about her fame. And like when it showed her at her home with her family, she was just some she was Katie. She was
1: Katie, yeah. And uh, I love that line that she says, you know, fame's supposed to be my turf when she Uh, gets a little jealous of how famous he's he's getting. Obviously this is Leonardo DiCaprio's film, but I feel like whenever Kate Blanchett is on screen as Catherine Hepburn, she shines. Yeah, I thought she stole the movie. Yeah, she's the brightest spark in the film. And Leo we will also get to on Profiles because he... No one plays insane and obsessed, quite likely.
2: (laughs) Of Leonardo DiCaprio Profiles is absolutely on the cards. He would be a great profile, no yeah. question about it. Uh, turning our to our friends in Schmoville, we just love reading these these comments that we did pull from our Facebook fan page, Profiles with Malona Mance <laughs> on the Schmo's No Network. That is a shameless plug for you to please go to that page and like it so you can join in on the fun. So we'll read your comments on the air so you can be part of our brackets. But Claudia Rose Weldon, another great profile whom we love and adore, says this about... Uh, the aviator oh no i'm sorry that was nicholas maglieri who Mm. says this about the aviator Uh, i absolutely love kate blanchett in the aviator she holds her own with leonardo dicaprio and often steals the show as the legendary and iconic actress Catherine hepburn she loses herself in the character just like we said making it hard to remember which one is on the screen Mm. she gives the character depth while still accurately portraying her, her quick wit.
1: Yeah, well, Liam Logrand says, my favorite Kate Blanchett performance is in The Aviator as Catherine Hepburn. She perfectly embodied her physical attributes and characteristics as well as that voice. She stole the show for me and I wish she was in it longer and Oscar well deserved. Also wanted to read out a quick quote from our uh, guy we profiled last week, David Fincher, who of course worked with Kate Blanchett in Benjamin Button. And he says about Kate, I always say everyone was lucky enough to be in a Blanchett movie
2: great quote great quote a great quote from a great director and listen Kate Blanchett has great movies mm-hmm. she has some underrated films mm-hmm. overrated films and maybe maybe an maybe an awful one but not never that her fault a
1: bad performance
2: never a bad performance yes. in our in our section we like to call the good the bad the ugly for our overrated underrated and just plain awful Alicia what is your underrated Underrated Kate Blanchett movie
1: My underrated is Life Aquatic With Steve Zissou <laughs> I love Kate Blanchett As the journalist uh, It's called sort of Wes Anderson's Jacques Cousteau Moby Dick Type story I feel like it just gets a bad rap because it's not Royal Tenenbaums and people hold it up to that same high standard. It still shows remarkable ability from Wes for his production design and his directing style. And I thought Kate was wonderful in it, but everyone just says, yeah, it's not as good as Royal Tenenbaums.
2: It's hard to follow. It's like when, when Scorsese followed, uh, 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 raging bull with the King of Comedy. Yeah. You know, it's like, I mean, now King of Comedy is seen as a great movie, just like Life Aquatic is, but, uh, my underrated is actually a movie called Heaven which came out in 2002 it's directed by Tom Tickver who Mm -hmm. directed Run Lola Run one
1: of my favorites
2: definitely one of the best movies of 1999 when that came out what a great year that was but the problem is that this movie was not Run Lola Run it was a much slower, intensely paced, suspenseful movie about a woman who is trying to avenge the death of her husband and gets uh, uh, mixed up in the wrong uh, the wrong, wrong, side of the track so to speak. She goes to jail and befriends uh, has a love affair with this cop played by Giovanna Ribisi. Mm-hmm. It's a very intense movie. She shaves her head in the last part of the film right. and this was supposed to be part of a trilogy called Heaven, Hell, and Purgatory. They never got past Heaven and it's too bad because this is a really interesting film and i would love to have seen where this character was going to go
1: well kate and giovanni also starred in another movie which is my overrated called the gift
2: oh the gift yeah the
1: gift it's just because it was it got very predictable and tonally it's very uneven kate's great in it but yeah
2: sam raimi not a great movie came out 2000 i think yeah yeah not a great film My, my overrated I I say overrated to the extent that I know people who liked it even though they didn't love it was Bandits. Oh, yes. Which came out in 2001. She Uh, was funny. She was funny. It was good to see her doing a a comedic role. And (laughs) uh, Billy Bob Thornton and Bruce Willis play bank robbers who take her hostage. Mm. And they both fall in love with her. Uh, Directed by Barry Levinson. Not one of his better films. But I think you and I can both agree on the awful. Yes. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Yeah, where
1: Kate played Dr. Irina Spell KGB agent. <laughs> she did her best, but the film just had so many problems.
2: You know, I have to say, yeah, you know, I went back and I, I reviewed the film. I gave it a pretty positive review. What? Because I just got wrapped up in the Return of Indiana Jones. Oh yeah, it was just so great to see. Easy to do. Just like yes, yes,
1: you're getting he's another back.
2: Way. And it wasn't until, like, years later that I went back and watched it again. I went, ooh, ooh, yeah. yeah, Not great. Not great. But what is great are the reactions to some of Kate's Kate's underrated and overrated movies about Hannah – Brian Williams, not the newscaster, says, <laughs> "Featuring a great villainous turn by Blanchett as Marissa Weigler, she the film really grew on me after repeated viewings and is now one of my favorites that she's done."
1: Well, Tyler Myers says that. Veronica Gurin is underrated. Yeah, it is. She says, I remember watching it back in high school, and I was fascinated by what this reporter went through and as an investigative journalist, and Blanchett, as always, was fantastic in the role.
2: And as the awful, yes, our friend Adam Johnson <laughs> also agrees with us about Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It wasn't her fault as much the over-reliance on CGI. That said, her performance really didn't make her a memorable memorable indie villain like Esla or in Last Crusade mm-hmm. or Bell." and raiders but she wasn't bad the script just didn't help her or anyone else all that much
1: very true well let's go to another great film of kate blanchett's Our fast five number two is i am not your elizabeth i am no man's elizabeth yes Elizabeth.
2: Elizabeth, uh, yes, came out on November 8th, 1998, directed by Shikhar Kapoor, nominated for seven Academy Awards at won one for Makeup. This was Kate Blanchett's first nomination for mm-hmm. Best Actress, and she lost to... Uh,
1: Gwyneth Paltrow.
2: From Shakespeare in Love. Which
1: also starred Joseph Fiennes.
2: And also starred Jeffrey Rush. Yes,
1: Those that's guys
2: right. were both in Not bad. Two actors in two best picture nominees, one of them that actually won. Yeah. But Kate did win the Golden Globe for best actress in a drama, so at least she got some, uh, something to take home from that movie. Mm. This is a, I think it's an epic film, and again, I just love, it's such a strong character who is surrounded by By betrayal, by mm-hmm. her own people, and she sacrificed so much about herself and her soul, and she prevails i love the last scene of that movie when she 's become yeah, the virgin, the virgin queen.
1: queen yeah
2: it's so shocking and and haunting that last image of her like that yeah isn't
1: it? well this was kate's breakout role even though she was sort of known in australia nobody knew who she was over here a lot of people's first blood with kate Blanchett with yeah. this movie it's all about the early years of queen elizabeth's reign and the struggle to learn how to be in this fierce feared respected leader i love how kate even though yeah it's not historically completely accurate <laughs> but i love how kate embodied so many different facets of the personality of this Queen Elizabeth. Sexy and youthful and fun and in love and then turns to like fierce and strong and really comes into her own. She, she Just the transformation is incredible. She also, of course, studied really hard to prepare for this role. Uh, she shaved her hairline so she would have a higher forehead or a five head, much like... I have. Oh, no you don't. She Come read on. a lot of Elizabeth's <laughs> letters because she felt like if she read the uh, books on Elizabeth, that maybe the person who wrote the book might be tainted by their thoughts on Queen Elizabeth or their thoughts on a female monarch. So she wanted to read everything from Elizabeth's perspective. So she really got into that. Interestingly, Shahrukh Kapoor found Cate Blanchett through the trailer for Oscar and Lucinda.
2: The trailer. He didn't watch the whole movie. He I think just saw he the saw the trailer. the trailer.
1: He was like, "That's, That's it. the one." Because because other actresses considered for the role include Nicole Kidman, Kirsten Scott Thomas, Emily Watson, Juliette Binoche, Helena Bonham Carter, and I
2: understand that Meryl Streep was actually turned down. For oh, this movie. Wow. Only the third time that ever happened in her career. Yeah. But uh, I love the review from Entertainment Weekly about Elizabeth written by Lisa Schwartzbaum when the movie came out in 98. She says, when Kate Blanchett announces her feminist declaration, I am no man's Elizabeth, she makes us know that she most definitely is not. Mm. And she calls her performance blissfully Unactressy, I yeah. love that. Blissfully unactressy. And her co star Jeffrey Rush and Elizabeth had this to say about Kate Blanchett. I had seen one of Kate's school productions and was pinned to my seat thinking, who is this extraordinary creature with this maturity <laughs> of performance, yet who yet is still in drama school. Even when she's doing nothing, you get this interplay between vulnerability and assurance flickering from one to the other, which I think for the Queen is a breathtaking.
1: Yeah. Yes love that. And I love Kate in this role. I love what you said about that. Uh, the quote that I'm no man's Elizabeth. I spoke to Kate recently at the Women in Film Awards where she was getting uh, honored for her body of work and the stuff that she does to support other women in, in film. And, you know, that's something I get a little bit of criticism for. doing for no it. But you're a supporter as well. Big of supporter. More female, interesting female characters on screen is what we need. And that's something that Kate definitely brings to the table. And I love how outspoken she is about the Things she believe believes in, I think that's something that I definitely look up to.
2: Absolutely. Well, if you like Kate Blanchett, yes, you might want to try an adaptation or, or adaptation. Say, but we say if you like this person, try this, try these people, and listen. Kate Blanchett is obviously in a class all by herself, but in terms of the elegance, the radiance the the level of commitment to her performances. There are a couple of actresses I put her in in the same league with to mm-hmm. an extent. One of them is the other Kate, who I mentioned before, Kate Winslet. Yes, and just because obviously beautiful, a great actress, but not afraid to take on challenging roles. Exactly, I mean, she won a supporting actress role for The Reader, and that was not a glamorous role at all. Mm-hmm. And and it, it's it's she she works a lot mm-hmm. she she is very prolific and always knocks it out of the park
1: another one we were talking about is Jessica Chastain oh yeah she is building such an incredible body of work and she like Kate really embodies every character that she's in and she uh, she elevates every film that she stars in and I think we've got Big, big, big things to come with Jessica Chastain. Oh, She's yeah. one of my favourites. Also wanted to read out Claudia Rose Weldon's views on Elizabeth before we move on to our next film. And Claudia says, Though she may have won Oscars for Aviator and Blue Jasmine, Kate Blanchett's best performance is, at the ti- is as the title character in Elizabeth. She connects so well with the woman and the legend that the Queen was, and this understanding makes her one of the most memorable portrayals of royalty in the past years. Additionally, her chemistry with and dominance of Joseph Fiennes... Great. Chris Eccleston and the late Richard Attenborough gives romantic, competitive, and diplomatic edges to work with. Her performance is more than a caricature of a powerful monarch. It is a woman divided by her need for a personal life and her need to do what is right for the people she governs. Also, we were talking about Elizabeth. I forgot Daniel Craig was in it.
2: Daniel Craig. You're like, watching this movie, because I hadn't seen it in a while, Rewatching this film, you're like what Daniel yeah. Craig is a killer priest <laughs> what is up but hey you know that's part of the fun of going back watching these older movies yes you know where you watch these performances before they got really big I love that it's so awesome seeing Daniel Craig in, in such a small <laughs> but crucial role like this oh
1: well, Craig as we say in Australia Daniel you, Craig
2: Craig Craig Daniel Craig Long. Oh, Craig. Craig? And then here they say Craig. Okay. Yeah, they say Craig. Daniel Craig. Okay. So when we do uh, profiles on Daniel Craig, Craig? Daniel Craig. (laughs) 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 (laughs)
1: Yeah. Sounds the same when you say it. All right. Let's go to our fast five. Number one. Number one, JT. Blue Moon was a song that was playing. You know the song, Blue Moon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's when she's talking to the kids. She's like, you know the song, Blue Moon. And the kids
2: are like, what?
1: Blue Jasmine.
2: Blue Jasmine. Boy, this is absolutely the performance of her career, yes. released on July twenty six, two thousand thirteen, written and directed by Woody Allen, nominated for three Academy Awards. It won one. Hello, Best Actress, Kate Blanchett, and I love her Oscar speech when she goes, yeah. "Julia, Julia, yeah. hashtag suck it, yeah, Julia suck Roberts." It. And wait, she also says, "I love this. This is a great." It's a great for supporting women in film. Mm -hmm. And she goes, the earth is round, people.
1: Yeah, the earth is round, people. Yeah,
2: like, come on, you know, you got to, again, a great supporter for women in film. Yeah. This is a great movie.
1: I think this is one of Woody Allen's strongest films. And definitely that has a lot to do with Cate Blanchett. Again, like you said, her strongest performance of of all, in my opinion. Essentially, it's a modern version of Streetcar Named Desire and Jasmine is is sort of a Blanche Dubois-type character. She's incredible, Kate, because she's able to portray the fragility the vulnerability, then self-delusion. She's kind of, she's an annoying character. She's a frustrating character. She's a funny character. She's a tragic character. Tragic. And to be able to bring in all those elements is just incredible. I also love the way this film is structured because the first time you're watching it, you're not quite sure what happened to all these characters, the flashbacks, and then you finally find out what happened to the husband, and the story slowly reveals itself and that ending
2: the ending oh it's oh, devastating oh my
1: gosh when she's on the park bench babbling and you can imagine how easily that could happen it's a it's a riches to rags story riches to
2: rags and i went back to the review i wrote for access hollywood last year and i wrote the genius of blanchett's haunting toward the force performance lies with her ability to make her a vulnerable sympathetic character that you can't help but root for even when she's not fully deserving of that compassion it's true it is so true and that watching this character the wife of this sort of bernie madoff type of type Mm -hmm. of character watching her fall into a tailspin watching her unravel watching her her deep in the throes of a psychological breakdown it's uncomfortable but also funny Mm -hmm. because there are some great lines in this movie courtesy of woody allen but just just the question is Okay, I'm assuming most people have seen this movie by now. But when she finds out that her husband, Alec Baldwin, has been cheating on her, she calls the cops on her husband about all his financial business practices, which Mm -hmm. are obviously not legit. And he, of course, goes to jail, hangs himself, dies. And then she winds up getting the brunt of all the legal, financial things that she has to now provide. She loses everything. Mm -hmm. So do you think she did the right thing? By turning in her husband.
1: I think so, but... You know, I think she obviously didn't realize the repercussions. Right. So she should have been a little smarter and maybe got him to sign a few things, giving like waiving any uh, liability from her before she did that. I guess it she didn't realize how how much of a snowball effect this she would was happen. desperate. I love throughout the film how it's just peppered these little moments of insanity when she's just on the street talking to herself, <laughs> oh, yeah. talking to someone who's not there, and people walking past going, uh, "What are you talking to me?" And then she can snap back into it and she can be. Elegant and graceful and wonderful. Just I really enjoyed rewatching this movie. And the first time I saw it, I saw it in a cinema. I paid to go see it because I uh, missed the screenings. And I just couldn't believe how great Kate was. I was like, Oh, she needs that Oscar. I'm absolutely. so glad she won.
2: I remember when I saw this movie, it was like the day after I got back from the San Diego Comic Con. <laughs> no, I was exhausted and yeah. I was driving to the screening thinking, I don't know, maybe I should see it another time. I don't want to go watch a movie when I'm feeling this tired and out of it. Yeah. But within Ten minutes I, I sat forward on my chair, as you now know that I do when I 'm really into a movie, yeah, and do. I was literally like, "Whoa, I mean, this is an amazing performance." I sat forward and I just went, This is the kind of movie where where this is the kind of role that is an Oscar worthy role in every sense of the word, and there are certain certain roles, certain performances where you just know. That they are going to win the mm. Oscar. Look at Jamie Foxx in Ray. Look at Natalie Portman in Black Swan. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are, and this is that kind of role. Jasmine is that kind of role. We're Iconic. just... You know that they deserve to take. And home the And you can't Oscar. imagine
1: anyone else doing that, right? No way. She's so good. Well, Cole Boone loves Blue Jasmine. He says Kate Blanchett's performance in Blue Jasmine is an unhinged, spellbinding achievement that truly showed how she can really transform into a character. Well known for playing the sophisticated roles, her performance as Jasmine is a departure from the norm, where she plays a mentally and un- emotionally unstable woman with complete ease and brilliance. Woody Allen tends to. Get some of the best performances out of his actors and actresses, and with Blue Jasmine, this may arguably be Kate Blanchett's best yet. I, yeah, agree. I agree. I think she's got more to come, but so far it's her best, and also one of the best female characters in a Woody Allen film, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, in a
2: while, it's definitely in, in a, a long, long time. 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 Yeah, I mean, Annie obviously, Hall. Annie Hall. Hello, Hello. <laughs> but but that was seventy-seven. So yes, definitely <laughs> yeah. in a long time. Joseph Hemings has this to say: Blue Jasmine boasts an excellent screenplay that weaves between quirky humor and a depressing tone seamlessly. The film rests on Kate Blanchett's shoulders, and she excels in an unrecognizable performance. Yeah. She deeply and accurately delves into the mind of a former socialite suddenly finding herself in a foreign environment. It's a realistic performance that reminds you that there are individuals in this world with the same exact attitudes, and you don't know whether to be sympathetic or apathetic towards their indictments.
1: Very, very true. And wow, Kate, I just think. Amazing. So let's recap our fast, fast five. five number
2: five. Notes so on, on a scandal, scandal number four. Babel number three. The, the aviator, aviator number two. Elizabeth number one. Blue Jasmine. Jasmine. Thank and- you
1: so much for watching and make sure you tell us whether you think you agree with our fast five, if there's any we've missed that you enjoy. Next week we are excited, we have
0: Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you could miss it.
1: Yes! John
0: Hughes. Oh, one oh. of our
1: favorite directors. We're
2: going to have. A lot of fun with John so Hughes. Much fun. So again, make sure you go to our Facebook page profiles with Malone and Mance. Like us, share it with your friends.
1: Re-subscribe to iTunes. Also follow the great uh, Twitter page that one of our fans Joshua Willingham has put together at profiles sk. Yes, follow, and, and there you can go back and forth with people about your favorite Kate Blanchett movies, also your favorite John Hughes movies. And make
2: sure you follow. Us. Make sure you follow Alicia Malone. Make sure you follow Movie Mance on Twitter. Please resubscribe if you think you're a subscriber. You're probably not. So go back to iTunes, resubscribe to profiles, review us, rate us. Keep them coming. We need this to stay alive. And share the show with your friends mm. on YouTube. We really want to get the word out. We want to make profiles as big as possible. We have so many great filmmakers, directors, yeah, we actors, have so actresses. Much fun doing
1: this, we put a lot of work in. Yes,
2: we do. But
1: I love it. But
2: we love it. We really do. You
1: can't complain when it's watching me. No.
2: No way <laughs> the best kind of research is watching these movies again and again and then we get to get exactly. together and put a run dance together and talk about movies with you yeah. so until next time schmoville see you next time
1: bye
0: from producers christian harloff mm-hmm. mark ellis and the entire schmo's no network crew We would like to thank you for listening to Profiles with Alicia Malone and Scott Vance. Special thanks to Kevin Undergaro and Maria Madunos, the author of Every Girl's Guide to Diet and Fitness, in stores now. Be sure to subscribe to Profiles on iTunes and rate and review the show. To get other Schmoes No Network episodes, movie news, and join the conversation, be sure to visit schmoesno.com. I'm the Pit Boss, and this has been a presentation of the Schmoes No Network.